That's the title of the message tonight. Gog and Magog, understanding the times. And we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 38, 39. And I get a lot of emails. Ask me questions, and I see a lot of things on the internet. There's a lot of confusion concerning Gog and Magog and the invasion that is described in Ezekiel chapter 38 39, and right now the war that is going on in Israel with Hamas. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Left Behind, and it's a good movie uh, with Kirk Cameron, the uh, it's interesting because if you have seen that movie, you'll notice that the invasion of Gog and Magog happens at the beginning of the movie. And then the rapture happens. Which, which basically, if you understand the rapture, the rapture throughout history has been something that could happen at any time. You don't need signs for the rapture to happen. If, if Jesus came back... Ten years after he ascended into heaven, that would be fine. So it, that, that's that's the way he set it up, that we would live with this expectation and anticipation that the Lord could come back at any time unexpectedly. So when you you look at the movie Left Behind, you're left uh, with this idea that the Lord isn't coming until the invasion of of Gog and Magog happens. I was listening to a, a preacher, a very good preacher, and it was recommended to me that I listen to him by some of the, the leaders here in the church. And it, it was a good message on uh, Ezekiel 38, 39. Maybe some of you have, you know, have watched it. And uh, the one thing that, I, that, that caught me off guard was he's painting a picture, and it's really kind of a dreadful picture, the invasion. Uh, there is a, a great victory that God defeats the enemies, but from a global perspective, it's, you know, it's a troubling, it's a troubling, you know, it's a troubling war. And so he left, he left the congregation, you know, with this kind of this despair. And then he said, but there's good news. The rapture happens in between chapter 38 and 39. And I don't know where he got that from because I can't find that. And again, what, what that does, we're looking then for the invasion of Gog and Magog instead of for the imminent return of the Lord. So there's some, there's some problems. And uh, I know there's some, you know, there's some prophecy, so-called prophecy experts who are out there right now, and they're you know, all over the Internet saying, this is the Gog-Magog war. And I want you to look at some things because it could be a prelude. And it might not be. So we're jumping to conclusion. We need to understand the word of God and, and not just be looking at you know, current events. So let's look. First thing that the scripture here describes is the invaders. And it describes the, the invaders very, very carefully. So in Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 1 through 6, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, 
all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, and the house of Togomar from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. I want you to, to notice that, that Gog is what? Gog is a person. Okay, Magog is a geographical area. But Gog is the prince, he is a prince. He is a leader of the land of Magog. But he's the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. So he is the, the, the person that, and, and it says he's a him, so he's a male, who leads this uh, army, okay, of nations against Israel. Now, you, you'll notice that it says, I will put hooks in your jaws. Have you ever caught a fish? Have you ever caught a big fish? Does it just, like when you hook it, swim up to the boat and jump into the boat? No, when, when, you, when you put a hook into the mouth of a fish and hook it, it fights you all the way. It's, it's not coming willingly. So I want you to, to notice, when it's talking about hooks in your jaws, essentially Gog and his Magog, okay, and uh, Rosh, they don't come willingly. They're being, they're being reeled in almost uh, against their will into this invasion. Now, the nations, okay? Rosh, Meshach, Tubal. If you, um, you go to the table of nations, again, what is the best interpreter of scripture? Have you ever heard that before? Maybe once or twice, right? Genesis chapter 10, verse two through five is the table of the nations. You probably, when you're reading through Genesis, you read through chapter nine, it's all exciting, one through nine, all of a sudden you skip over chapter 10, and chapter 10 is, is very important, okay, because it, it tells us where the sons of Noah and their descendants settled. So in Genesis 10, chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse two through five, the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. And the sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz and um, Ripath, Togomar. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and uh, Dadanim. And from these people, uh, the coastlands people, uh, peoples of the Gentiles were separated into the lands, everyone according to his language, according to the families into their nation. So you just take a look here again. These are the sons of Japheth that are mentioned here. And just from a, a geographical point, if you'll notice here, this area, and then going up actually north here of the sea, is what you would have today as Turkey, you would call the steeps of, um, of Russia and, and, and Russia. And I'll give you a, a, a good picture here of what we have today. Rosh, who do you think Rosh is? Rosh is, is Russia. Magog, um, these are essentially, they call them this, the, the, the steeps of, of Russia. It was essentially the, the, the people, if you go into the Encyclopedia Britannica, you get what are called the Scythians. And notice that the Scythians here, this is, again, this is modern day Russia. So um, you have um, here Magog, the steeps of Russia, uh, 
they were called the the, the Scythians, Josephus Flavius, if uh, Josephus probably the greatest uh, biblical historian, uh, tells us that Meshach, um, Meshach, some people say it's modern-day Moscow, though it leads more to the geographical area of what is modern-day Turkey. Uh, Tubal, Russia. Togomar, okay. Uh, Gomer, Turkey. In fact, Turkish people, anybody Turkish here? Turkish people many times will grow up with, we are of the house of Togomar. And uh, Persia, what is Persia? It's called Persia up until a few years ago. It was actually in the 1930s when its name was changed to Iran. Kush, uh, Ethiopia. Uh, it also would encompass uh, the Sudan and Somalia. Uh, put Libya, and that would also involve Algeria and Morocco. So in, in modern geography, those are the lands that are there. So when you, you, know, you look, again, this is where the scripture of Ezekiel was saying, the invasion will come from... Uh, Russia, from, again, uh, the, the steeps, that's uh, Uzbekistan, okay, possibly Afghanistan, and then uh, it will come from Turkey, and then from these nations in northern Africa. Now, something interesting that really has been evolving in these last years, Putin uh, has right now, he backs Palestine, okay, he was backing Hamas, and he sent, you know, that message to Israel. In, uh, in just the last few years, what you have is you have this alliance between Putin and Russia with uh, Iran and then with Turkey. Listen, Turkey is a member of NATO. And look, I want you to, uh, I want you to notice here what uh, the president, Adawan, the president of, um, of Turkey said. Turkey will not remain silent on Israel's persecution of, the pa of Palestine, uh, Palestine, even if the entire world ignores it. We are both saddened and furious at cruelty of terrorists, state of Israel against Palestine. Israel is a terrorist. <laughs> to stand against Israel's aggression in Palestine, uh, Palestinian cities, Jerusalem is, uh, is, is duty of, uh, of honor and humanity. So you have that, that, that alliance, okay, coming together right now. And um, another I interesting thing about this alliance, you'll notice you have Russia. What do all these na nations have in common? They're all Muslim nations. They're all uh, Muslim nations. By the way, um, Africa, Christianity is just continuously persecuted and right down until the central part of Africa. Um, Southern uh, Africa has a lot of Christians in it. Uh, Northern Africa is predominantly Muslim. I don't know if you, you, you know, if you want to hear about persecution, in the last few years in Nigeria, over 50,000 Christians have been murdered. 50,000. And you hear nothing of that. Nothing. But so people just realize this, what's going on with Hamas, Boko Haram. Boko Haram uh, are the essentially terrorists that are killing Christians in Africa. And then you can look at Hezbollah and Iran. But people think, well, they're just going to kill Jews. They're coming for us. You understand? I read their charter last week. I'm going to get done with the Jews. In fact, let me tell you why they're, why they're getting done with the Jews. They're coming for us. So I think it's important to, to realize. So there, there are the nations that are involved. Now, second... The invasion happens during peacetime. 
So I want you to notice verse 7 through 9 of chapter 38. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard uh, for them. After many days you will be visited. In the later years you will come into the land of those uh, brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. The great return of the Jews. Six million Jews now living in Israel. There were just uh, literally a, a tiny little remnant there before 1948, which had long been desolate. They were brought uh, out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. By the way, it, the word safety, betak, without care. Um, safe, secure. Now now watch, again, if you, if you look at, at verse 10, it, and here it says it again. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a people who dwell safely. Again. And all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, it's important. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder have you gathered your army to take booty to carry away silver and gold to take away livestock and goods to make uh, to take great plunder? I'm going to talk to you in a second about Sheba Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and their young lions. But uh, again, dwelling in safely. And again, you go to verse 14, it says it again. Three times. On that day when my people, Israel, dwell safely, will you not know it? So I just want to say this. On October 7th, before the terrorists invaded, were they living safely? I think there, there may, you know, there, there may be some truth in it, but I just want to, I want to show you a, a chart here. These are the missiles that have been fired into Israel in the last years. Now, now in 2021, there were 3,631. In 2022, they uh, said 1,100 of them. Now, that's three a day, right? This is the size of New Jersey, so it, it would be like say, New York, deciding that they're going to fire three missiles into New Jersey every day. Are you feeling safe and secure? You're just wondering maybe when you go to bed at night that one of those missiles can come down on your house and blow you up? I mean, just think about that. Because I'm looking, I'm looking at Israel these last years saying, I don't really see them being safe and secure. I want to tell you one thing that I, that I did observe in my visits to Israel. My first trip was in the early 90s. There have been seven trips. In the early 90s, now, it's still, it's still a ways off from their last serious war, though there were intifadas. I noticed that everybody carried guns. We go down the West Bank. We see mommy, right, out shopping with her kids. She got an Uzi on her show. I mean, it, it, you had to get a little used to this because we're not used to it in America. And every soldier was, was carrying a, a, a rifle. As the years passed in my visits there, I did notice that less and less people were carrying weapons. 
even to the point that some of the soldiers were not carrying them. And if you know what happened on October 7th, there were soldiers that were caught off guard who weren't, they didn't have a rifle to be able to defend themselves. So Israel, Israel started to um, basically make laws that were limiting people's rights of being armed. So again, is it a, a, a false security that they were experiencing and a false safety? But again, I don't know, people shooting rockets you know, at you continuously, I'm not feeling real safe. So I don't know if I, you know, if I believe that, you know, that, you know, this, this, you know, event that's happening right now is what is described here in, you know, in Ezekiel 38, 39. Next, they invade from the far north. Gog comes from the far north, right? You look at, at Israel, what's to the far north? Yeah, Russia. Russia, I mean, you go to the near north, Turkey, and then to the far north, Russia. So it, it says here in verse 14, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says God, on that day when my people Israel dwell, then you will come um, from your place out of the far north, you and many people with you, all of them riding on horses. By the way, some of these terms, the, the horses and the swords, when you get into the Hebrew words, they're talking about weaponry, okay? Horses could be in, interpreted as, you know, some type of a vehicle. A great company and a, a mighty army, you will come again, up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. And it will be in a, a later, latter days that I will bring you against my land. And so the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, uh, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? So, again, key thing here to look at, the invasion comes from the far north. Okay? From the far north. The invasion that happened on October 7th, here is, this is, is Gaza. Right now there's a lot of hostility going from the West Bank. Hezbollah up in Syria and Lebanon are now firing rockets and, uh, and attacking basically all the U.S. bases in those areas. But notice it, it's more coming from, I would say, the West, not from the North. And maybe you would say North, you know, maybe it, it's coming from the Southwest. But the invasion, again, of, of, you know, Gog and Magog, it comes primarily from the north. Now, again, could this be a prelude? Uh, fourth, God brings on them a judgment of fire. So in verse 18 to 23, uh, 23, and it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel so that the fish of the sea, the birds of heaven, and the beasts of the field are all creeping things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog 
throughout all the mountains, says the Lord God, every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and on his troops and on many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones of fire and brimstone. What does that remind you of? Sodom and Gomorrah. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in their eyes of many nations. Uh, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So there's a, a couple of different thoughts. He said, I will bring a sword against you. You know, again, is this just, again, a direct divine judgment of God like he brought upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you start looking at great earthquakes, mountains being uh, thrown down and uh, a fire, what is that, again, in our time of weaponry, seems to, you know, it could be alluding to uh, a nuclear war. That Israel, okay, or America unleashes uh, uh, nuclear weapons. And by the way, Israel has... It's guesstimated that they have somewhere between 80 and, um, and 400 nuclear weapons. They started their nuclear program back in 1968. I want to tell you, I'll just tell you this real quick. There was a, um, a nuclear scientist who basically had a problem with the Reagan administration here in the United States. He left America. He's Jew. He went, he went to Israel. And he became their, um, their kind of nuclear genius at developing tactical nuclear weapons. So tactical nuclear weapons. So you think of a big nuclear bomb. And ICBM, I mean, ICBM hits New York, we're all gone. You know, we're, we're, we're vaporized. But there is what are called tactical nuclear weapons that essentially could be dropped, let's say, on, you know, on Rockland County without Bergen County getting radiated. They could be dropped on certain hills and mountains. This would be a radiation effect. But there are, again, some people that believe that this is what this, you know, is, is essentially talking about. So Israel has a has a, a, a you know a very well developed nuclear arsenal. They also have nuclear submarines. Uh, they have uh, jets that can deploy nuclear weapons, and um, and they do have you know there's some intercontinental you know uh, ballistic you know missiles. So that is something that this could be again alluding to. Fifth, fire on Magog and the coastlands. So in Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 1 through 8, it says, And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and I will turn you around and lead you, uh, lead you on, bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. Again, that could be talking of missiles. Projectiles. That's really what the, the Hebrew word means. And you shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to the birds of prey every sort uh, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. And you shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. Now watch verse 6. This is a, one of the most troubling verses for me in the Bible. And I will send fire on Magog, right? Yay. And on those who live in security in the coastlands, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, 
uh, Holy One in Israel, surely uh, it is coming and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Why is verse 6 troubling? Because if you, if you understand the coastlands, essentially, if you, you understand there's, essentially, you have a landlock of three continents, okay? Europe, Asia, and, and Africa. And I understand there's, you know, you have the Suez Canal and things, but they're, they're, they're essentially, it's, it's, it's three continents that are landlocked. So most of what we see in the scriptures, you know, it, it takes place here. The coastlands, Australia is a coastland. South America is a coastland. North America is a coastland. Greenland is a coastland, though there's nothing there. And it's not green. It's like the Vikings did that as a joke. They called it Greenland, but it's covered with, with ice. But you're talking about the, the coastlands being here. And I want to Trying to find the United States in Bible for us. And next week I want to talk to you about where's the United States because we really don't seem to be mentioned in the last days. China's mentioned, Russia's mentioned, Egypt's mentioned, Israel, Europe, you know, they're all mentioned. But the United States is not mentioned. And something happens. Um, and I'll get into There's a bunch of possibilities. And I don't want to make this the only possibility. But this is a possible scenario is that this invasion leads to a, a nuclear war with Russia and the United States. We, we both have, I think, about 6,000 nuclear uh, weapons. By the way, some, I, I, I get some dopey people who will come to me and say, oh, we, we, we'll just wipe them out. You know, we've got nuclear subs. they got nuclear subs, too. We've got, you know, we've got the Trident submarine, and uh, they've got the Typhoon submarine, and they play games. They play war games in the ocean all the time. You ever see um, In Search of uh, Red October? Yeah, it was that Tom Clancy who wrote who wrote that. Yeah, he 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 knew. They, Tom Clancy was brought before um, the uh, one of the the, the congressional um, groups uh, because they were saying, "How did you find out all this stuff?" And he said, "It's public knowledge." He found it in the public archives because he was revealing things that were, you know, that were that they thought were top secret. But um, I just say this: we just put a nuclear. They, we, we announced we put a nuclear sub in the Mediterranean. I, I just, I don't, you know, I think our our leadership, a bunch of fools leading our country, really, from from the military, right from the people who have been appointed as the uh, the Joint Chiefs. We're fools. They're the his cap Biden, his cabinet, they're fools leading our country, and. Um, Essentially, what um, you know, we bring that sub into the Mediterranean Sea. That sub has 20 silos. So you look at that and you say, well, it can deploy 20 nuclear, you know, warheads. No, each um, missile, okay, can actually deploy eight or nine warheads. So I just want you to stop. So if if you do the math, let's say let's say it's eight, and eight times 20, okay. What is what is that equal? 160. One nuclear sub can deploy 160 nuclear warheads. I just want to say, if the Russians have a nuclear sub off the east coast and another nuclear sub off the west coast, which I'm sure they do, that's enough to wipe out every city in the United States easily. So I'm just gonna, you know, that's the I'm teaching you some things about you know the horror. So again, 
the coastlines, that, that's why they also, when I was reading to you about, it talks about Tarshish and its young lions. I'll bring you back to chapter 38. Essentially, Tarshish, some people say, was England. And then the young lions would um, be possibly the United States. So, and by the way, um, Sheba and Dedan, that speaks of uh, Saudi Arabia, the Arab countries. But notice, it, 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 at that point, if, if it is, you know, we're on the sidelines. And uh, essentially, what you have is Saudi Arabia, okay, the Arab Emirates, they're on the sidelines. They're not getting involved in this war. And you know they, that, that I don't think they want to get involved what's going on right now in, you know, with uh, Israel and Gaza. So that's like six things. Weapons for fuel for seven years. Gives us a little bit of an insight into dating. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons. But the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, the javelins and the spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any of uh, from the forest because they will make fires in the weapon uh, with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and uh, pillage those who pillage them, says the Lord. You want to just say something? That seven years gives me an understanding of, I think, a timetable as to when this happens, this war. So I want to, where else does Gog appear in Scripture? There's one other place that we have Gog uh, appearing. And by the way, I don't believe Gog is the Antichrist. Some people think that he is. Uh, if you go to Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 11, at the end of the millennial kingdom, it says, now when a thousand years have expired, right, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. That's a problem right there because Gog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is not in the four corners of the earth. He's north. So to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then they saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I just want to see if this is the battle of uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, when there's no heaven and no earth, how are they burning weapons for seven years? And essentially, if they're burning weapons for seven years at the end of the millennial kingdom, that's into eternity, and I don't think we're going to be burning weapons <laughs> in eternity. So I, I think this is, it's, when it speaks here of Gog and Magog, I'm speaking figuratively of a rebellious force that comes against the people of God, against the Lord in the end time. So here's, here's the thing. Seven years as to um, when uh, this happens. I'll give you a, a timetable here. We are in the church age. I believe we are here right now. I believe we're very close to the rapture of the church. Then you have what is called the, you know, the, the seven-year tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, you have the return of Christ. The 1,000-year millennial kingdom. 
And then what you have is the final judgment, and then we go right into eternity. Now, they're burning weapons for seven years. So if it happens, again, as, as I just read to you in Revelation chapter 20, then they're burning weapons into eternity. Right? I don't, I, I don't think so. And then, if it happens at the end of the tribulation, which some people believe this is the Battle of Armageddon, but then they're burning the weapons seven years into the Millennial Kingdom, I don't see that happening. Some people say that it happens in the middle of the tribulation, so then they'd be burning the weapons three and a half years into the Millennial Kingdom. So a, a more logical place to put it would either be right here before the tribulation begins, okay, and that's what you know, left behind as, or right here at the beginning of the tribulation period. To me, that is the most logical place to put the invasion of Gog and Magog. You get that? That seven years really jumps out. Okay, clean up. Okay, after this war, it's time to clean up. So in verse 11 through 16, it will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will uh, obstruct travelers because there they will bury Gog and all of his multitude. Therefore, they will call it the valley of Haman Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men. Now watch this. This is really interesting. If, you, if you've ever read, a, um, there are these uh, military books um, that deal with, you know, how do you cleanse an area after a, a nuclear attack, a biological attack, or a chemical attack? And they read very similar to what is said here in Ezekiel. It says, indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make search. And they have to wait seven months. Why? And it says, the search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees a man's bone, he shall set up a marker by it. They, they don't take up the bones and bury it. They just put a marker there, and then it goes on, till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. The specialists have to come in to do the actual burying. The name of the city uh, will be called uh, Hamona, thus they shall cleanse the land. So, uh, again, the picture here is they first have to send out spotters to spot the bones and put up the marker. And then, again, the specialists come in to actually clean it up. Why? What happens after a, a, a nuclear... So what happened in Germany with Hiroshima and Nagasaki? They just can't go in 
right? They, they, you know, and start and start doing the cleanup because they'll get radiated. Well, that could be radiation from God. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily. God could just, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah might have, been, you know, had a radiated for, you know, for years. Especially when you get down and you see the Dead Sea and what happened to it. I want to read to you just, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but there is um, a lot of evidence in the book of the Revelation, chapter 6, in Zechariah, chapter 14, in Second uh, Peter, uh, chapter 3, that seems to allude to there being some type of a nuclear war in the future. But Zechariah, chapter 14, 12, it says, And this shall be the plague uh, with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. And their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets. And their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. You know what that's called? That's called vaporization. That's what happens in the case of a nuclear attack. Some of you are getting really squeamish here right now. This is the word of God. So then again, what do they have to do? They have to send in the specialists to do the cleanup. God has some specialists too. And um, they are the birds. <laughs> so it, it, it goes on in verse 17 through 20. And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather together from all sides of my sacrificial meal which I am sacrificing for you, by the way, it sounds like Revelation 19 to some extent, a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of princes of the earth, uh, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all of them fatlings of Bashan. And you shall eat fat like you are full and drink blood to your drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men, and with all the men of war, says the Lord God. You know, it's interesting about, about Israel. Israel is in the central, it is essentially the central migration, okay, point in uh, Europe, Africa, and Asia. With the birds, the birds. Last key point. It's the beginning of the Jewish people coming to Messiah. So in Ezekiel chapter 39, 21 through 29, I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment of which I have executed in my hand, which I have laid on them. So the house of uh, Israel shall know that I am the Lord, their God, from that day forward. The Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore, I hide my face from them. I gave them into the land of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgression, I have dealt with them and hid my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. After they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, when they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid, when I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of, the enemy, out of their enemies' lands, and I am hollowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to the land 
and left none of them captive any longer, and I will not hide my face from them any more, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. And I believe that is essentially, it, it, it becomes, and this is why I, I look at Ezekiel 38, 39, it is the turning point to Daniel's 70th week. And it is Daniel's 70th week. It's Jacob's trouble. And it's, you know, it, it's at that point where the Jewish people begin to turn to God and put their faith in Jesus the Messiah. So you look at the 144,000 witnesses of Revelation chapter 7, you start to see that there is a, a great Jewish revival that happens during the tribulation period. And again, that is the period that God has intended for Jacob. For, you know, again, the, pe you know, the people of Israel. So I'll just say this to you with... Again, I, I lean towards Ezekiel 38-39 happening either before, right before the tribulation, or right after the tribulation begins. The peace that we look at, peace and safety, peace and safety, peace and safety, the Antichrist makes a treaty with Israel. And it's a, a false treaty. It's, you know, you know, peace, peace when there is no peace. But he creates a treaty. He'll create a treaty uh, with Israel and its Muslim neighbors. And I believe that could be the false peace that is alluded to in chapter 38 of Ezekiel. And while Israel is in that time of, of peace and rest, then the invasion happens. If it happens before again, and I say this to you, we could be looking right now at the prelude. What's happening with Gaza, and again, you're seeing this alignment happening with Putin and with the Iranian Mullahs, uh, Mullahs and um, you, know, you see all of this being set in place. So as this is as this is happening, I mean, again, it could be it could be the prelude. Nevertheless, we are, you know, just I see the church at play. We're, we're absorbed in the world in entertainment and sporting events. And just we're, we're, I mean, we're, I don't know, denial or delusional. And um, we're living right at the edge right now. And we could go home to be with the Lord. We could be raptured in a moment. We could also be disintegrated <laughs> in a moment. But it's the time to be ready to meet God. To, you know, get your, you know, get your life right and make sure you're right. Because, you know what, you don't want to be left behind. And you certainly don't want to die and get before him and find out that you're not saved. And spend an eternity in hell. Forget about tribulation, how bad it is. So hell is far worse. But it's, you know, it, it, it's just a time to get, you know, to get serious. So we, we, live, we live in these little boxes, you know, these, these little, um, our little lives. And we just get, you know, we get used to things. And we think things are never going to change, right? You know, I think it's just our, our routine. We think things are not going to change. And, you know, maybe we're doing some things we shouldn't be doing. We think that we get, we're getting, getting away with it. And I see people, you know, in that. And all of a sudden, you know, the crap hits the fan. It could be sickness, right? It could, it could be, a, you know, some type of crisis. Somebody gets attacked on the street. All of a sudden, everything changes. 
But we were living, you know, we were living in this delusion that, you know, that things can change like that. We are in a world that's changing rapidly right now. I just think it's, it, it, it's a message to get ready. Next week I'll talk to, I'll talk to you about America next week. And talk about just where we where we fit in into this you know into this prophetic scenario. So um, let's pray together. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I thank you, Lord God, again, looking at Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine, doesn't change anything, Lord God, as far as our expectation and anticipation, Lord God, that you can come back any moment. You don't need Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine to come back, Lord God. You don't need anything to happen right now, Lord God. In the twinkling of an eye. When that trumpet blows, Lord God, we will be changed in a millisecond and suddenly meet you in the clouds. And we will be with you, Lord God, forever. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come soon. Come quickly, Lord God. And Father God, may we all be prepared to meet you. In Jesus' name, amen.